everyone, I'm Megan Thomas and I'm joined today on Babbel by Sarah Rag. Sarah is a scriptwriter, screenwriter, speechwriter, blogger, novelist, poet. Basically, Sarah's a bit of a wordsmith. Her debut poetry collection, Ghost Walk, which was published by the wonderful Hedgehog Poetry Press, is out now and I had the privilege of going to the launch for it on Zoom last night, which was great fun. Sarah, we obviously couldn't really chat last night, so I'm very happy that we can have a conversation today. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Yes, I'm sort of having a bit of a come down after the launch last night. Yes, I was going to say you must be feeling um, feeling great because there was a good turnout. There were a few people there. Yes, I was really, really pleased. Now I had some lovely comments back from it about the poetry and and the night. Um, so yes, I'm all on a bit of a um, bit of decompressing at the moment, which is really nice. Enjoying the moment rather than stressing about it. <laughs> yeah, it's very well deserved, especially because no matter how excited you are before one of those things, there's still the nerves and the who's going to turn up and will they get the right link? So what's really? it? <laughs> yeah, and will I forget how to speak and drop <laughs> yeah. my words? <laughs> no, it was it was really great. Were you going to always do it um, on Zoom? Had you started planning it at all before? Well, I hadn't really planned anything, but it would have been in a sort of real life setting had COVID not come across, come along and uh, ruined everything for us. But <laughs> it's actually, I, I don't know, I think I might have improved it by going on Zoom because I could do more. So I had Lloyd coming in and doing a few songs. And uh, and then yes, to all the all the chit chat in in the amazing Talliston house, and and I think yeah, I think possibly I it, it was a good thing in the end, though I would still like to do actual readings yeah. with yeah. actual people. I I also had an idea before we sort of doubled down on lockdown of going for a little walk in the forest nearby. I've got woods near me. So I thought that might be fun to take a few torches and uh, and just sort of take people through the woods and read them scary stories. But uh, <laughs> and rule of six came in and that was out the window. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I think I would have hard passed if we had to walk through a scary woods. So <laughs> I'm relieved it was on Zoom. <laughs> and um, tell me a little bit more about the house itself and how you um, know the people or know the house. Oh, yes. Um, we're talking about um, Talliston House and Gardens in Essex. It is a project of um, John Tarrow, who I actually met, first of all, when he was running a writing group. And uh, he, coincidentally, he was setting his group up at the same time that I was looking for a writing group to help me with poetry and short stories and, uh, and things like that. And uh, I was looking at my local one and looked at a picture of um, all these um, grey-haired women in anoraks showing themselves. And I think, oh, really, that's not for me. And then I discovered this bonkers house and they were doing a uh, writing group. And I thought, no, no, that is for me. I'm going to meet some really good people there. And I did. And uh, yeah, I've since become very good friends with John and his husband Marcus, who own and run the place, and uh, and I even got involved in some of the later construction work 
it was still five years off being finished when I first went there. So uh, yes, it's uh, it's blood, sweat, and and a little bit of knuckle scrapings in that house of mine. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it looked suitably scary, but also lovely. Yeah. And are you are you still in that writers group? No, that that only lasted a couple of years um, because he then had to concentrate on getting the house finished because he'd given himself a um, a target date and he was determined to finish the house by then. So that kind of folded, and we've we've yeah we've mostly gone our separate ways, but we're a lot of us are still in touch, and uh, and yeah, a lot of us are now published. So um, a really good, really good writers group to join. <laughs> I, I'm fascinated to hear a little bit more about what your thoughts are on writers groups because I know kind of the ones that I've been briefly in have always been really helpful in just getting people writing. A lot of the time just having a little couple more people that you're responsible to gets you putting things down. Yeah, exactly. So even if you're not set kind of homework, um, you will be more productive as a result of meeting people on a regular basis. And so it's a really good discipline to to join a writer's group. And in fact, um, uh, with a couple of friends, we're in our own informal writer's group at the moment. And that's, extremely supportive and friendly and so you know we'll have a coffee and a bit of a gossip and then sometimes we'll actually get around to talking about writing <laughs> yeah but then sometimes we, we we're really disciplined and we'll have writing half hours so we'll set a timer and say right in 30 minutes the timer will go off we've got 30 minutes to sit and scribble and it's amazingly productive it really is because it forces you to only think about writing. So when I'm at home on my own, you know, trying to put together another ghost story, it's <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, I'll just check on Facebook first. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or just do a little bit of hoovering, which is <laughs> a normal thing. <laughs> so the house is always cleaner when I sit down to write. So, yeah. So doing the timing thing is amazingly productive. And also joining a group and having and surrounding yourself by support, supportive people. Because when I was a lot younger, I went to a writing group that was full of egos. And uh, yeah, and I was young and a little bit shy and I really didn't enjoy it. And that put me off for years. Uh, of sort of going back to one but as soon as you find one that's supportive and fun and with people that you get on with um yeah you can't beat it and people whose opinions you trust so yeah you believe them (laughs) yes yeah that's that's the other thing that uh yes so it's it's the quality of criticism as well so it's it's all very well to read out something and people will say oh that's lovely um yes you can't do anything with that and it's never going to be perfect but especially you know when you're sort of together you do exercises and scribble something and there's always something you can improve so you need people to say you're on the right lines but you know have a look at this have a look at this or you can just put comments in different places it's always helpful and it always makes it better. Yeah, well, I think that sounds like 
something that all people who want to be writers should consider doing and just joining a group and a fun one and getting, yes. getting themselves tasks and yes yes and if there isn't a group already um around um get together with people you know that also want to write and and do it yourself yeah also it seems like you're writing constantly is your your day job involves uh writing is that, is that right yeah. <laughs> i'm a copywriter in a digital marketing agency so i write all day every day uh, so whether that's blogs for clients or website pages normally yeah, that's that's the sort of main thing but um it's a good discipline again because i'm doing it every day and uh, and it helps you improve. And does it? Do you find that you have to separate work writing and your creative writing, or do they kind of blend into each other? Um, no, no, they don't blend into each other because one is commercial, so it's it's marketing, and you're marketing a product or a service on behalf of somebody else. Whereas the poetry, it's it's all springing from my imagination, and, and I don't have rules about writing it um I can just do what I like so no they don't actually cross over which is good I suppose especially from my work start talking about <laughs> ghost clients or something like that I don't think that will go down very well yeah and and what got you writing ghost stories has that always been your creative outlet ghost well no no not at all it's only a recent thing I I do like reading a good old-fashioned ghost story, uh, the, the sort of Victorian ghost story type thing. Um, no, I don't like horror. This is because people know I like ghosts, but they uh, they don't appreciate that that's not horror, and I don't I don't do horror. <laughs> but I was reading. It was actually I was reading M. R. James uh, one day a few years ago, um, and I I loved the story, but I spent most of my time picking apart his really complex paragraphs. And sort of there were about three ideas in each sentence that you have. That I, I found myself going back and, and trying to work out who was doing what, and and it, and it sort of spoiled my enjoyment of a really good story. So I thought, well, maybe I can do better. <laughs> I didn't but um so I, I wrote some short stories some short ghost stories that were in the Victorian creepy repeating kind of thing and um and set them in the modern world and uh and yeah I really enjoyed that but then didn't do anything with them and they went back in the cupboard and I, I then became a few years later I became more interested in poetry so I've, I've been writing poetry for a few years. And a couple of years ago, I was just messing about and I thought of the ghost stories. And I thought, well, I'll see what happens. Uh, just write a tiny little ghost tale, but as a poem. And that worked and I enjoyed it and people seemed to like it. So I wrote some more and people like those as well. So I wrote more. And then eventually I entered uh, a competition with Hedgehog Poetry Press, where you enter a few poems and and the shortlisted poems uh, get put to the, uh, they, they call it the cult of the shiny hog. So it's a membership thing. 
but I kind of liked being a member of the cult of the shiny orchid sounding water. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so the shortlisted poems, it, uh, the poets in the competition I entered were you know, put out to members of the cult uh, to vote on, and mine were voted the winner. So the prize was to get it published as a pamphlet. Yeah, that's amazing. And what's the process been like um, with Hedgehog Poetry Press? Is it kind of, did you just submit them all and were there lots of edits? Or? Um, not many edits. There were a few, but but I do um, use my, my informal writing group, um, my friend. They all saw it first. And a very good friend of mine is also a creative writing tutor, which is a very, very useful person to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so I got a lot of comments from her as well. So I've, I've got a really good support network in that respect. And so, yes, so there were edits, but um, uh, Mark from Hedgehog Press uh, didn't, didn't have to do that many, which is good. Makes me look better. And it's all my friends. Saves them time, makes you look good. Everyone yes, was exactly. <laughs> uh, What I really loved um, about the poems, I think you said they're either kind of small stories or poems. It kind of can be both a kind of microfiction, flash fiction, and they can also be. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you think brevity is important to you when you're writing ghost stories? Because I think that a lot of what comes with having a fright, getting a fright, um, is that momentary scare and then it being finished. And I thought that reflected really well in your poems because of that burst of energy and then... Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Yes, um, because, yes, when you read a ghost story, traditional ghost story, it, everything adds up to the ending and it's the ending that's the really creepy, scary thing. Um, so what the poems have done, I suppose, is just stop out all the explanation, um, all the build-up to it. But it's also because real-life ghost stories, so, so when people are reporting when they've seen a ghost, it's always just a tiny little moment in time. So it's just somebody walking across the room or or floating up the stairs or something very small they never sort of it's, it's not like the movies where they're always hanging around and having a chat it's just very tiny moments in time which also lends it to micro fiction or poetry yeah I think my poems are my yeah they could be called flash fiction but they're in the poetic form so yeah just so all you get is the the little shiver of creepiness and uh, and then you can move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, that's a great dis- description. They are like little shivers. What is it that you think attracts people to ghost stories? Because I think often people, like you say, conflate scary movies and ghost stories because ghosts in themselves aren't actually harmful necessarily. They're kind of, they're passing their, uh, they're troubled they're usually emblematic of people being unable to go to the next phase of their lives, but they're not inherently malicious like so often 
they're depicted in scary movies or in that kind of thing. And I think you've kind of balanced that really well in that they're just not living. They're not necessarily harmful. Yeah. Why do you think that people have kind of started associating them with being these scary, scary creatures? I don't know. I think because we all like, we all like to have, um, to be scared, but in a safe way. So it's a bit like a fairground ride. That you, it feels scary, but it's absolutely safe. You know, so talking about some spooky thing that might come to you in the middle of the night, but it's okay if you put the duvet over your head, that makes it go away. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, giving us, uh, yeah, that little thrill, but in the complete safety of your own home. Um, and your own head um yes yeah we like the adrenaline um i'm sure a a, a evolutionary psychologist could give you a whole load of um (laughs) explanation about uh, the fact that we're hardwired to to have those kind of scares because it yeah it could actually keep us alive um if we keep on our toes (laughs) and so it's something to do with you know having had that years and years ago but now we we kind of do it to ourselves with stories and actions yeah yeah throwing ourselves opposite wires and stuff (laughs) there's that fine line as well between being scared and humor that kind of when you get a big fright and then you laugh immediately afterwards because you realize that actually it was a shadow or things like that or how funny people find giving people frights. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, yeah. some people find them hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And so your stories in particular, which was your favourite to write? Um, I, I liked the initial ones that I did because they were, they sort of sprang fully formed. So they were more inspired. So I, I, I got a, a, a little thought in my head and then I just thought about it and worked on it and then put it down on paper and, and it was then that was very satisfying. But also some of the later ones and some that I've been writing since have been more of a process of deliberate creation. So I've 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 done some research and yeah, sort of uh, look on the websites for scary stories and encounters and what have you, and then create something around that. So it's not been so inspired. And I actually enjoy those as well. Um, because it's it's more of a creation thing. I'm more aware of the creative process and I tend to use the betterus a lot more as well with those. But um no I, th- I think yeah the the earlier ones like the the one I um, read called The Astronaut, where he's stuck on his asteroid with his old body and sort of lost the sense of time and humanity. And, yeah, that was that was one of the ones that I, I wanted to do something about space. Um, and then that sort of sprang into my head, almost fully formed without really thinking about it much. So, yeah, I'm really pleased with that one. I mean, I, I suppose you have your um, a copy on you, and you could 
read us a couple. Would you would you be okay? Oh yes, of course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I made I've made notes of my favorite ones, but I feel oh, right. oh, excellent. you're allowed to read your favorite ones. <laughs> I might make you read yours. <laughs> Here we are. The astronaut. For hundreds of years he has patrolled his lonely asteroid. Travelling further into the stars than mankind ever dreamt. There are no days, no nights, just an ever-changing sky to chart the time. Sporadically, he returns to the site of his crash. Numbed by time, the scattered debris has lost its power over him. When he looks at his body, preserved as new in the vacuum of space, it is out of curiosity rather than the taunting agony that first haunted him. Sometimes he even lies within his unchanging self, trying to remember what it was like to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) And I also just love that you've managed to write a ghost story in space. I think that's... Well, it's, yeah, that's one place I really want to go to. So, well, you know, at some point, people are going to start dying in space because we're in space so much. So, uh, yeah. So why shouldn't ghosts be in space? Yeah. yeah. It's not like there's any rule about where ghosts are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they may already be out there, but we yeah. don't know. <laughs> Um, I did. I loved um, the story behind because I enjoyed the poem in itself. But when last night when you told the story behind behind the mouse stick, oh yes, yes. So if you if you'd read that and give the audience a little of the history behind it, I I would love that. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, because it's it's one of my bugbears: um, animal testing on cosmetics. And um, I was I read a report. Um, that uh, Avon and and also Mac Cosmetics, I think they were talking about starting testing on animals again um, after after a lot of years of, of campaigning, and the European Parliament banned it, uh, and now they're back on the trail. And so that incensed me enough to write a poem called Mousekick. After complimenting her customers' lovely home. She takes the lipstick from her samples box. This season's colour, she explains, twisting the tube to reveal a dark plum purple hue. She places it on the coffee table, afraid to look in case it appears again, but her eyes drawn all the same. And there it is. Curled around the cosmetic, the small white mouse writhes in pain. Dark bubbles foam from its mouth but its blood is not red, rather a dark plum purple hue. The customer picks up the mouse stick, eagerly lifting it to her pouting kiss, then smears her lips with its ruthless froth. Thank you. And do do you often find that you're prompted in the same way as you described there, kind of by a story you hear or something? Yes, yes. Um, yes, because I've been on uh, local ghost walks and and uh, a few of the stories I've heard have prompted me to 
write something about it. So so the uh, the one about the guy who died at the railway station but ended up back at work, um, which is now the job centre. That at the time I wasn't even writing po- uh, ghost poems at the time that I did this ghost book, but it struck me as really bad luck for the poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> He not only has to haunt his old work, but he also it's also now a job centre. Yes. <laughs> yes. Double one depressing yeah, situation. <laughs> that was an easy uh, an easy one to uh, be inspired by. So yes, and and little things. So sometimes I'll you know, I'll just see something that sparks an idea. Um, of, yeah, the local museum. I, I was showing a friend the local museum, and uh, there are some really creepy dolls in there. So that, that was, I imagined them at night, all sort of twisting their heads towards each other. And <laughs> so, so I wrote one about that. It's not in this book, um, but it will hopefully be in my next book. Hmm. So, and have you started a next a next book? I have. Yes, um, I. I was furloughed earlier this year, so uh, I made use of the time and uh, was, yes, I, I'm quite prolific with my poems, so so that was very good for me. I know I had a hard time in furlough, but, yeah, I was very pleased by the output that I managed. So, yes, hopefully at some point in the future there'll be another one and another launch, hopefully with actual real people. Yes. <laughs> That'll be great. Well, it's been so great chatting to you today and I'm so glad we got to kind of get a little more depth out of some of the questions I was thinking about at the launch last night. And thank you to our audience for joining us today. Uh, We implore you to like, subscribe, all those good things. Also for Sarah's various accounts. Um, I think Ghost Walks has its own Twitter account. Is that right? Uh, Yes, own Twitter and own Facebook account. Sarah's Ghost Yes, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, be sure to go and follow all those things and get a copy of the book. You can get a signed copy from Sarah. That I'm, I'm right in thinking that. You are, yes. Yes, it, all the details are on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Sarah's Ghost. Well, there you go. I encourage everyone to go and do that and share this and have there it is. <laughs> I should have my copy. We could have them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hidden somewhere on my bookshelf. <laughs> um, thank you so much. And yes, yeah, see you all again soon. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.